excited to be here for a lot of reasons. Uh, just quickly about myself, um, I taught and, and worked as an administrator at Helen Christian for 16 years, and now I stepped away, and I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I am absolutely loving that. I've got five boys. Um, you can pray for me, uh, and, and my wife more, but um, Judah, who is nine, Abbott, who is seven, Alonzo, who is five, Peter is three, and Khalil is three months. And so it's awesome, uh, we tell ourselves, or try to convince ourselves of this reality. But it is so good to have a time to be able to be at home with our youngest two most of the time, uh, as one of them is also in, uh, our three-year-olds in preschool. Our kids are all here at Grand Rapids Christian at Iroquois campus, and uh, all at one building right now, which is really nice for drop-off. And so that will change next year as Judah moves into the big middle school. And so that will be a different phase for us. Um, as part of what I get to do and what I've been, uh, what God has been able to orient in my life was after my high school senior year, I was able to go to Israel. And I was a graduate of Helen Christian. And so this for us was normal. Like, oh, go to Israel, you know, because you're a high school student. That's normal. And turns out, that's not normal. Uh, that students are given that opportunity, or even more so, uh, given an opportunity to engage with scholarship opportunity through Ray Vanderlaan's ministry that the world may know. And so I was able to go to Israel with Ray Vanderlaan in 1999, and then to Turkey with him, and then Israel again, and then blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've been able to go to Israel 23 times, and many with Ray. Um, and now we're working on a succession plan for him, as he is 70 and still can scamper up a mountain with the best of them, but he's also thinking, maybe someday I won't want to scamper up a mountain uh, and then teach on that mountain. And so it's been a gift to hang out with him a lot uh, this school year, and um, to be able to collaborate. We were nerding out about a site the other day. Um, on Monday, as I was at his house, and we were just talking all about all kinds of cool things that, again, they're finding in the dirt that relate to the Bible that bring us home here today. And so this opportunity to go to Israel is a partnership between Dr. World Menno, Vanderland's ministry, and the Kingdom Story Project, which is a fancy word that at some point Ray told me, he says, people are going to go on your trip and then come back and say, how can we support you? Well, I have a job. Well, I used to have a job. Um, and he said, so have them have a scholarship fund. And so the Kingdom Story Project is simply a, a 5013C that people donate to have scholarships for people like you. Um, and so, and that's what we've been, uh, are working hard to do. We don't quite have our, you know, $200,000 in the bank yet to pay for this trip, but we're trusting that God is going to provide that so that we can get you there for about $1,000 as opposed to $5,500 uh, per person. And that's um, a gift. Um, we've been able to do this with Holland Christian staff for seven years. And Ray and I have been able to uh, kind of facilitate and move that vision forward. And now to open that up to you is um, exciting for me because of the way that I know it transformed my teaching and then later administration, but also to think about how that could happen for you. It is a personal deep dive into faith, but it's also one that has a deep outpouring into the hearts and lives of your students and into the school and the community, and so that's exciting. Um, I want to do something with you. It's something that we will do on the trip. It's something that I learned from Ray in his classroom, and that is to start off by saying the Shema. The Shema is the prayer that comes to us out of the book of Deuteronomy. It was on the lips of our beloved Jesus every morning and every evening. It was the way that they would commit themselves once again to the path of righteousness that God had before them. Maybe you know these words or recognize them in, Israel, in English. We're going to say them in Hebrew. And I'll tell you why in a little bit too. So if we'd actually stand to your feet as we do this, I'll say a little bit and then you can copy it. it. Some of you know this because either you're, you sat in Ray Vanderlaan's class or you went to a school that would say this in the morning. 
And so you'll be really good at it. So you make sure you say it in full voice. Others of you, try your hardest. It'll be worth it, I promise. Say these words after me. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Elohinu. Adonai Elohinu. Adonai Achad. Adonai Achad. Ve'achavta. Et Adonai. Et Adonai. Eloecha. Eloecha. Bechol. Bechol. Lavavcha. Lavavcha. Ubechol. Ubechol. Navshecha. Navshecha. Ubechol. with me, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Man, that was, that caught me off guard. But to hear a group of Christian school teachers commit themselves you're a force of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is awesome. I'm missing so many people. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Well, uh, let's just do this instead. Okay. Godspell, uh, or if you're fans of the Psalms, you'll recognize the lyrics uh, from Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the willows we hung our harps, for our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. 
how can we sing the songs of the Lord well in a foreign land? I like to struggle through the Hebrew of the Shema because it reminds me that I'm a foreigner in the land, in the landscape of the Bible. Written over centuries and coming to us through torments of those who died to preserve it so that we might have it today. I'm still living in a very different world, in a different language, in a different way in which it came to the first hearers and readers of it. And so I'm in Babylon oftentimes. And the pictures that are over the screen, but also then the pictures that we hope to engage you with as we walk this land, helps us gain a little bit more familiarity. Not to say it's better, it's just different. Right? In the same way that if I were to ask you to describe this room, you would tell me that, oh, there's a screen and a very, very attractive man up front in a white shirt and tie, talking more loudly than he needs to, but he can't control the volume of his voice. And, and that's, you would be correct. But if I were to describe the room for you, I would say, oh, there's an embankment of people, there's a, a large great door with a curtain hanging in front of him, and some mirrors along the back with a door in the center. Both of us are correct. But maybe by gaining a different perspective, we might learn a little bit more. Uh, come up with three to five things you could describe about the image on the screen in your head. Just what are three to five things that I could say this, I could say that, I could say that, I could say that. Share it with someone sitting around you, what you maybe can describe about what you see on the screen. I'm, I'm think pair sharing you. You know what I'm doing. Think pair sharing. <laughs> One thing about what you see on the screen. Yes. Misty, what else? What else is about this? What do you see on the screen? A large rock. A, a large rock outcropping. A sure footed animal. A sure footed animal, that's right. What do you see? I won't think pear sherry again, you know the drill. So <laughs> now what do you see? What changed? Yeah, he's alone. Good. What else? Hey, it's kind of, he's there in a divide, right? It's like, oh man, how did he get down and how is he going to get up? Right? Now what do you know about the sheep? Oh. He's a throat. Or he's like all sheep, he is not very smart. When I was um, 12, I, 12 to 16, I worked on an egg farm. Uh, we had chickens, 400,000 chickens, which is actually turns out a very small egg farm. Um, and they had like a, we had a half a dozen sheep, or no, no two dozen sheep uh, as well as part of just, you know, the barn, I guess. And every once in a while, we'd have to go out there and take care of the sheep. Well, one day, I was in there taking care of them, and we realized that we were missing some, so we all went out looking for these sheep. Turns out we had been missing three of them for a few days. And what they had done is, along one of the coops in the back was an old door, a big sliding door that we had taken off in place and just leaned up against the back of the barn, because that's what you do with old things, just put them in the back of the barn. Well, the sheep, three of them, had wandered in there, and then at the end, couldn't get out, so they just stopped. And all three died in there, because they didn't know they had reverse. Apparently, you feel bad for the sheep. I was like, stupid sheep, now i got to clean this up. Anyway. <laughs> So here's the photo. This is actually a real location in Norway. Um, and the sheet, by the way, is photoshopped on. Um, but that's why it's a little hazy. Uh, this is what I hope we move towards. Or this, at least, is what happened to me when I went to Israel. Out of no fault of anyone, just part of my growth and development, this is how I read the Bible. Right? And, and, and it was right and true, and nothing is wrong. Nothing, nothing that I have believed my whole life has changed in my experiences of studying the Bible in context, in the place that it happened. Nothing has changed. I just 
started pulling back a little bit and realizing there's so much more to this story. And it's so exciting. And so I, I'm not saying we're gonna, if you come to Israel, we're going to get you here. Uh, that'd be silly. But we might be able to move just to here. And you've already done this, right? Every time you engage Scripture, there's something more there. Now, in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 19, God has just released the people, right, out of, out of bondage in Egypt. And, and Exodus 19 is the climactic moment of the story of Exodus. It's, it's not when Moses is rescued out of, this, out of the river. That's not the climax, right? It's not when, when Moses engages with God at a, at a bush looking like it's on fire but not consumed. That's not the climax. When they finally go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, that's not the climax. When the, the magicians and, and Aaron's staff turns into, that's not it. And finally, when Pharaoh, uh, when the plagues are sent on the people of Egypt, that's not the climax. When finally, when Pharaoh lets them go, that's not the climax. When at the Red Sea and it parts, they go across the dry land, not the climax. When Pharaoh's army is consumed by that, not the climax. They get to Sinai. This is the climax of the story of the Exodus. Because God makes a covenant with them. He freed them for a purpose. And it's the covenant. He says, I will take you unto myself. But at the beginning of the chapter, it says on the third month, after they had left Egypt and left Rephidim, they encamped at the foot of Sinai on that very day. That's how our English Bible is translated. But it's not on that very day. It should read on this very day. Because it's this day, in the same way it was this day, 3,000 years ago, when they finally encamped there. It's this day, as it will be tomorrow, this day. Because it's every single day that we engage with a covenantal God who is faithful to his people and sends them out. And so, it's not the fact that you have always looked at a little sheep on a rock, you haven't. Because you've continued to engage with a loving God who hearkens you on mission with him as his human partners. And that's what's so exciting. And what all this opportunity will do is help you pull back again on this day. That day in 2023. But that's what we're hoping to do. Is to just pull back a little bit more so that we might engage that a little bit more in our classrooms. What do you see? What's this a picture of? <laughs> it's very fuzzy. What's this a picture of? It's not a trick question, trust me. I promise you. And then the last one was a trick. Like, oh, look at those sheep on a big rock and a boy. But this one's not a trick question. What do you see? Birth of Jesus, thank you. What do you see? Abraham and Isaac. Good, right? I, I tried to find the most historically accurate uh, photos. Because I'm guessing in the sacrifice of Isaac, he has one leg up, so apparently his legs aren't bound. So I'm guessing he's just like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> Abraham's just like, well, I guess we're doing this now. Um, I'm sure not at all the nature of the story, but oh well, that's what medieval art will do to us. Anyway, nice plug too. Um, we won't go to actual Sinai, but we'll be in the region, and I can guarantee you, you will not want to climb that hill, mountain, with a big floaty cloak. Moving. <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> Those are good. What do you see? Bah! Yeah, lines down. Good. <laughs> That's what you see. <laughs> the commandments, right? Sinai, here we are. Climax of the story. What do you see? Elijah. Elijah. Good. Elijah up on Carmel calling out fire from heaven as he's in this great context with a uh, contest with the prophets of Baal. Good. What do you see? Yeah, good. They're being told, bow down and worship. What do you see? Just walking on the water. Yeah, Jesus and, and, and Peter starting to sink and Jesus reaches out to, to help him. What do you see? Crucifixion. What do you see? Resurrection. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself why there's so many stories? But this is what this book is. 
even though it looks like a book and it reads like a book, it's not a book at all. It's the living, breathing breath of God from His heart of love to our needy lives for sure. But it's filled with stories. Um, a Jewish poet uh, once said, the universe is made of stories, not atoms. I think she's right. I think she's right. I mean, that's not typical, of course. It's made of atoms. But she's right. Your life is made of stories. My life is made of stories. God's story is made of stories of Him engaging with His people. And what we want to do, if we get the opportunity to go to Israel in 2023 together, is to engage those stories in the places they happen. I am so blessed to have known Jesus my whole life. I can't think of a time that I didn't know Him. I grew up in a home that always, we talked about Jesus all the time. I was, I was given the gift of a Christian education. I always was told about the love of God and the mission of God. I didn't know viscerally that he really walked around until I walked there. I mean, I cannot wait to get you to sit on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and to look across, and it looks exactly the same as it did when Jesus sat there. Like our Jesus, the Messiah, sat on this shoreline and looked out, and he saw the same mountain range, and it's like, it's not just a story. It's a real story with real people that had real feelings and whose feet got sore and back got sore and butt got sore from sitting on these rocks all the time. It's stunning. You get to sit in those... And that's not more holy than anywhere else, but it sure becomes real. This it did for me. I always knew that the others were real people. Then I went to New York City and there's a little tavern there, the oldest tavern in New York City, where George Washington met with his troops before he left. And they had dinner there. And I was like, oh man, like, George Washington was a real person. Like, I bet that was some hard decisions that he had to make about what are we going to do and lead this nation to build a nation and to secede from the British. Like, that was a lot that he had to deal with. And he had those conversations in this room. That was weird for me. And then to walk here. Something that is at the core of who I am and my faith. And to sit on that shoreline, to walk the streets of Jerusalem, which will walk on pavers that were there when Jesus was there, on a road that Jesus, we can say with a high level of certainty, would have walked on. Again, not more holy, but just like, this is it. This is the same view. Like, that blows my, it still blows my mind. I'm still there like a kid in a candy store thinking like, this is it, this is it. This is how it all started for us. It's awesome. I just keep trying to convince you that you should go and maybe I don't need to. Um, so what are we going to do? Like, okay, hopefully I've convinced you that you should think about coming, coming on this trip and if the large $4,000 coupon wasn't enough. Um, this might be. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get teachers to show up. Uh, to the you want a $4,000 coupon? Come on. Anyway, um, so what, what are we going to try to accomplish, right? Because again, this is, it will be personally edifying for your faith. I, there's people in the room that have gone, and, and if I'm, if at any point you're like, liar, not even the back row, because you're friends. Uh, but um, you know, just shout it out, right? Uh, this is, uh, if, I, if you're like, nah, it's probably not that great. Yeah, get a chance to see that. Um, but let me know. But what are we going to try to accomplish as we engage this story? I want you to see those pictures. Because as much as it's words on a page, it's also people walking around. It's, there are, I think, now up to 11 public bathrooms in the country of Israel, and we'll see all of them. But most of the time, it's men on the right and women on the left. And that's, we, we bond. 
Anyway, because um, we're all in the middle of nowhere, oftentimes. But you also realize, like, oh, this is, this is ancient on some levels, right? Like, we're doing something that, oh, people of the Bible were out in the wilderness and had to figure out how to go to the bathroom. And I'm not trying to be crass, but again, these were real people following a covenant of God into the wilderness. And so let's not take that realness out of it in our effort to venerate it. We can hold both of those things beautifully, I believe. And so we're going to see those pictures. We're going to engage with the spaces and places. And it's such a small country. It's so handy. It's the size of New Jersey. Like, it doesn't take that long to drive along longest bus ride, like, two and a half hours. when we make our way all the way south to the, where the Red Sea is. Like, that's pretty handy. So I have to only ride that long. Still be in the see all these places that Jesus was. It's remarkably small space. We want to read it in context. I, even just this morning, I came in and the doors were locked here, so I made my way over to the table in the town square and went up to Brenda and said, hey, can we get the, the room unlocked? And she started laughing. And I said, I'm hilarious. Um, and she said, oh, we were just talking about that and you stepped into this conversation. And I just said, context is important. I'm going to talk about that. Um, but it is, right? There's, there's a lot of things happening around the individual stories that we read in Scripture. And again, not to say that they can't stand on their own. They sure can. But when we pull back that curtain just a little bit more, we start to say, oh man, there's a much larger conversation going on. If, if we were to take a, a clip from Saturday Night Live, and archive it so people could see it 2,000 years later. And they would watch that and think, what in the world is going on? They could gain some insights, right, about maybe the nature of, right, if I, I, I still, and I was pretty young, when Dana Carvey played both George Bush Sr. and Ross Perot uh, in the debates, remember they had like three of them, it was hilarious. I, I thought Dana Carvey was a genius. I still think that. Um, but it was, it, was, it was really interesting one. But like, if we were to archive that for the future, they could actually gain insights because they said some words that were actually major platform issues for each one of these candidates. But it wouldn't be fully accurate, of course. I'm not saying that the Bible is SNL. Actually, some parts are. The book of Jonah is satire. It's hilarious. You've got to read that story. It's, it's funny. But anyway, um, you start to realize Right, that there's so much more happening. And that doesn't minimize what happened in that moment. It just enlarges it. And so we want to, the, what are the big conversation points culturally that Jesus is engaging with? One of the big questions, who's your neighbor? That doesn't come out of nowhere. That is deeply rooted in the cultural conversations, in the religious conversations of all the major groups of, 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 of Judaism at the time asking that question, who's my neighbor? Because it has everything to do with what am I going to do with Rome? Now, can you understand the stories of Jesus without that context? Sure. Does it help us maybe engage our world a little differently if we know the context? I think so. So we're going to try to engage the context in which Jesus is, is speaking into. And we're also going to try to engage that big story. It is a masterfully written literary text, the Bible is. Again, it's way more than that, but it's also that. And there is something absolutely stunning happening at, from page 1 in Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22. And suddenly we start to see the full context of what the Bible is doing in its original context. We then start to see that in and of itself it's doing some remarkable things. And that big story of God being a God who creates hope and light and justice and mercy and grace and shalom and hearkens his human partners, his image bearers, to be the ones that carry it out on planet Earth through the power of the resurrection and the gift of the Spirit for sure. But he's still calling us to the same thing he called his ancient people to. And we're going to look at all these benchmarks, these moments in Scripture that we see as a whole thing unfolds and doing that as a full context story of what God is up to and still up to this day. 
And in that big story, God says you have a mission, Israel. It's the mission given to them at Sinai. 613 laws in Torah. 613. We know usually the first 10. Uh, right? And those 613 laws start to unpack how the people are going to be light. It's not a checklist. It's a way to be faithful to their faithful God. What in ancient Near East is the best form of protein for people? Pork. There's a reason why Jesus, when Jesus goes out and he casts out demons, that there's pigs grazing on the side of the hill in the, in the Decapolis area. So you won't see this in Jewish areas, of course. The easiest animal to raise in the Near East are pigs. And so for millennia, before God's people show up walking around this area and show up at Mount Sinai, People are eating pork all the time. We have lots of record of it in Egypt where they just came from. Because it's a really good source of protein for human survival. And God says, not for you. It's not because God doesn't like bacon. He should. It's delicious. <laughs> but he's like, trust me. I know. This is the way in which y'all think the best way to survive in this world is, is by eating pork. I will provide enough protein for you in whatever form it's going to come. I will provide it. Remember the last 40 years when we were in the wilderness and I provided for you food and manna and quail and water from the rock? Remember, I provided for you? Keep trusting me. Even though now you are moving into the land flowing with milk and honey and you will very easily forget me. So don't forget. So remember, I'm the one that provides. It has nothing to do with God wanting them to keep a list of rules. It's a way to orient them to trust Him. Keep the Sabbath? You've got to be kidding me. You know how much more money we can make if we open our store on Sunday? You know how much work I can get accomplished? I'm buried already. How in the world am I supposed to get all this stuff done, God? God says, I know. Trust me. I'm always confused why there's this huge debate on whether or not we should have the Ten Commandments outside courthouses. I don't keep the first four well at all. I haven't murdered anyone, but I don't keep the Sabbath well. There's a lot of other gods that I have. And God says, trust me. Orient yourself toward me. And when you do that, and when in Israel's history they did it well, and then Jesus comes along and fills up the law, in other words, he makes it exactly, because is it really about eating pork? No! It's about putting God on display in such a way that the nations around look and they see that's a city on a hill whose light cannot be extinguished. They say, that's where we need to be. The law oriented them towards their mission. And their mission was being God's representatives on earth. Bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're going to do. That's Israel's mission. That's our mission. So that's what we're going to try to do out there. Is we're going to identify what our own mission is. It was um, last year, maybe around this time. Miska, I pointed at Miska, sorry. Hey, she was in the room, that's why I pointed that way. Um, we gathered as administrators uh, at, at Holland Christian, and we had a question, we had an answer, we had, a come, we had an assignment. And we had to come with our assignment done. And it was written out in 25 words or less, what is Christian education to you? Why do we, what, what is this that we're doing? Come up with it. And so we had it all written out on an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper and we taped them up on the wall and we started looking at them and saying, what are the pieces in this? As we again are pointing towards a goal of what we're accomplishing here with students. And it was good for us, our own exercise, to say, well, what, what's my mission? 
Do my students know it? Is it on my email signature? Why? Y'all, y'all could work somewhere else and get paid more. But you're not. Because you believe in something. Something beautiful. Have you articulated what it is? Do your students know it? Is it written on the top of your whiteboard across why you do what you do? Do your parents know it? Or to paraphrase, or not paraphrase, do they know what your agenda is? And is your agenda love? What's your mission? Turns out it's very much like exactly like what Israel's mission was. It's the mission that Jesus had. Go be salt. Go be light. We'll walk the land and we'll think about what that means in our classroom. It's not PD. This is not a PD trip. We're not going to stop and think, you know, you do some things you're sure about how you're going to apply this to your classroom. We don't got time for that. <laughs> We're going to be in Israel. You can do that part at home. So it's part of the whole package. But anyway, um, but that's what we want you to do. We want to identify what's your mission. And then we do want to creatively challenge and transform my school and classroom. There is a lot of market out there for spiritual experiences. I'm paraphrasing right now Eugene Peterson. There's a very large market out there for spiritual experiences, but very little desire for the long-form relationship with righteousness that the ancients called holiness. This is not a tour, it, although it's in the title. Um, it's not just a vacation. It's not a cool experience, though it will be all of those things. It needs to come home. And I believe, not because of anything that I will do, or just because it's cool to walk on those stones where Jesus was, it's because I believe deeply that the Spirit of God transforms us, as He does every single time, when we take a step away and immerse ourselves in His Word and His will. We're just going to do that in His will. So we do, we want to think about how this might change and transform your classroom. So how, how are we going to do that? Like I said, it's not a vacation. We get up early, we work real hard all day long, and then we go to bed because we're tired after that. And so we'll, we'll be up by 6 a.m. Uh, we'll be at breakfast at 6.30 and we'll be on the bus by 7 uh, to our first site. Again, you can go to Israel with a lot of different people, and they're all great, I'm sure. I don't know 99% of them. Um, there'll be days where we'll hit one site. That's it. Um, where a lot of other tours, you'll get to six or eight in a given day. This is not a site-based tour. Like, how many places can we go to see these holy sites? That's not what this is. If that's what you would like, more power to you. That you should find... Somebody else with a big coupon. Um, but this is, this is again, an engagement with the story of God in the places that it happened. And so we're going to be up early. We'll have lunch out in the field. Our, our bus driver and Israeli guide will go out and get groceries while we're doing a study. And we'll have some pita and bologna sandwiches for 14 days. <laughs> You're welcome. You get some soda with it, so that kind of makes up for it. Alright. Um, and then we'll do our afternoon study. And then dinner at 8 uh, at the ladies. Sometimes we're back earlier. Uh, and sometimes it's a, I mean, a little bit later, but that's because we had a big bus ride. So, again, this is not intended to scare you, but just to, again, give you all the information that you need to say, is this something that I want to continue to pursue? Again, we're a year and a half out, so we've got time. We've got time. Um, okay. We're going to learn with our feet. This is, this is oh, again, one of those, all of these things, but one of those things that I learned most from Ray Vanderlaan was we have to experience it. And you know that. I'm looking at Mike Jacobs here who teaches uh, industrial arts, and it's like, he knows this better than I do, because uh, I just try to teach their heads. Mike said, well, you can't just teach them how to use a saw. You've got to let them use a saw and not cut their fingers off. He knows the power of experiential learning. Those of you elementary teachers are the same. But you guys know the power of experiential learning. For some reason, in high school, I forgot that. I just said, no, I was telling them, don't learn. 
No, they won't. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so we're going to learn our feet. And we're going to get out. And we're going to go see and experience. And so what does that mean for you? I am so out of shape right now for this experience. The you, uh, So apparently full confession time. I don't work out. Other than chase five small children around. Um, but so my motivation always to like get in shape is to get ready for Israel. Well, they've been closed uh, as, as everything else in the world. And so I'm like, eh, I'll wait. But this is a physically demanding experience. It is mentally demanding. If you are claustrophobic or you are scared of heights, you, we'll get you. We'll get you there. But there are some times when you're hanging your butt off the side of a cliff and you're climbing up these rungs and you're like, that's bad down that way. <laughs> we'll get you up there. And we'll be walking under the city of Jerusalem in a tunnel that was hewn by those who were held captive under the rule of Hezekiah. And we're going to squeeze our way through that tunnel and the tunnel that was the sewer system. Not like a storm sewer, storm sewer system that came from the Temple Mount to drain the area of the Temple Mount. This 40-acre large pavered area had to drain somewhere, not to mention all the sacrificial system, which turns out was pretty gross. Josephus says that during Passover, the sewer ran full with blood. You can tell them I'm telling you we're going to walk through it, that that's a lot. That's big. Moving on. That's gross. Don't think about that when you're walking through it. At least tell the group after we're through. Um, but it is. We're going to be outside. As I, this, I kept this became a one-on sentence. It says, like, physically, you need to be prepared for strenuous exercise, including hiking in difficult terrain at high temperatures in direct sun. See, this is a sales pitch, y'all. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And we're going to be going in June. Um, you know what? I don't even know if I put the dates of the trip on here, but it's sometime in June. So block off June. Like June 8th, it starts to 25, maybe. I don't know. I think it's on here somewhere. We'll get to it. Um, come July, they start closing some of these sites because of temperatures. Um, I've been in the north, which everyone's like, oh, but it's a dry heat. You're on the Mediterranean. No, it's not. I was up in the north uh, at Tel Dan, which we'll see if we go there, but it was 127 with 85% humidity. The, Israeli, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, closed down a train for three days. P.S. Israeli Defense Force, they're not wusses. And we're like, let's climb up this mountain. So um, it's hot. It's real hot. you got to drink a lot of water. And we will drink a lot of water uh, on the trip. But it's, a, it's, a, it's hot. And it's uh, strenuous. And again, we'll be away from the bus. It's, uh, on one day, we'll be, we'll be away from the bus at 7.20 a.m. And we won't get back to it by 2 p.m. And we are out in the desert that whole time. Again, I'm not trying to scare you, just trying to be real about what this experience is. But it's also, again, this is where the people lived. Where they did for 40 years. To, it's like, that's a bummer. 7.20 to 2 p.m. is enough for me. Um, and it is. And I will tell you, right? Like, again, I'm not, a, I'm not an in shape guy. You'll be able to do it. We'll get you there. You'll we'll need to do some preparation, sure. But I will also tell you the more physically prepared you are, the more you'll be able to experience it take in. It is physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally draining two weeks. But I, I promise you, you will be so filled in that draining in some miraculous way done by the Spirit. But there's an openness that that creates as well. And so we're going to do it by learning with our feet. We'll stretch our minds. But through the vehicle of walking in the places of the Bible, we'll experience the story of the Bible and then apply it to, again, this day. It's coming home to your classrooms and into your home, into your relationships. I'm excited for that. So what does this mean? How, how do you get on a trip like this, right? Um, been working with, with Ray and Dr. Old Me Knows board and my board to say, what does that mean for us? 
uh, to say, how do we open this up? Again, this is modeled very much after uh, taking home Christian staff um, on this, but now again, there's a, a much, it's a different world, right, when you open up to multiple communities. Um, and yet knowing the impact of something like this on a community requires a community to experience it. Uh, I see Eric Grimm, I was in Israel with Eric on a Ray Vanderland trip, and it's exciting to go, but probably hard to then be the only one in your community that knows what you're talking about. Right? Um, it's hard. Um, I remember I, I studied in Israel for a season, and near the end, before like finals, they were saying, hey, uh, you're going to go home and you're experiencing reverse culture shock. I'm like, that sounds like the silliest thing on the planet. I'm going home to Holland. Trust me, there's no culture shock in Holland, Michigan. And that was the worst experience of my life. Because I had changed. And nobody else had. And through all of my efforts to try to communicate to them what I was experiencing, what I was thinking, what I was feeling, the mission that I felt God had given to me, I couldn't explain it to them well enough that they could understand. So I kept getting more and more frustrated with myself and I experienced reverse culture shock. And so one of the high values of the place is you have to experience this with others from your community. And so it's for full-time teachers and administrators to uh, are eligible to attend and are eligible for then the scholarship. Uh, but because it represents a high level of investment in you, and what you're doing in Christian education, right, to be honest with the donors who are asking for this $200,000 from, is to say, we want this to make a difference in Christian education. And so you're committing to saying, if I go on this trip in 2023, I'm still teaching in Christian ed in 2026. It doesn't have to be at the same school. You're saying, I'm going to be in Christian ed. I don't, I don't want to think like, oh, I get to do this cool thing, and then cool, see ya. It will be, again, it, it, they, they believe it will impact, the donors believe it will impact you personally, of course. But it, it's not just for you. Right? Does that make sense? It's for your students. It's for the community. It's for the kingdom. That this large investment is being made. And so, then if, if you decide, you want to know, that is another opportunity, and that's where God's calling you. That's great. No one's going to fault you, but we hope then that you get donated back what then, and so a third for every year that you are out. So if you stay in for a couple of years, and you know, in the scholarship, oh, I'm not going to math in front of anybody. <laughs> Let's just say you leave, you have to give back a third of it. Okay? And that's completely on the honest system. No one's going to track it. We're going to say, hey, if you leave, the, and you say, you know, oh, I left, and then that comes back and say to the, you know, not the world they know, or the King Sword Project uh, scholarship funds. We're asking again that you go together. Um, and then you don't just go alone. And so a full-time faculty and administrators are defined as those who are in charge of student experience. That includes school counselors. For a school to be eligible, five participants from a school need to sign up together, and one of the five must be an administrator. I know you've all thought, I can't wait to go on a vacation with my administrator. <laughs> You're welcome. Here's your gift. Um, this was, again, this is, this is tricky, we know. Um, and yet, again, as a way to experience this, to transform your school and school culture, this is an important element. And so to communicate, talk through, is this something that you would like to do, uh, both personally and as a school, as part of the vision that you believe, as part of Christian education, this is a big piece. And then participant science will determine whether or not more space is available for a school to send more than five staff members. So if we have, let's say, four schools sign up, right, with five people each, we have ourselves 20 participants, and those schools say we want to take more people, then we'd have space. Does that make, the last one makes sense. Um, we're defining schools as school buildings, not as systems. Okay? So if you teach at Grand Rapids Christian, it's not five spots for all of Grand Rapids Christian. Right? Because so many, some schools don't, aren't organized as systems, they're all standalone buildings. 
right? So Unity and Legacy are, and Hudsonville are different systems. And so we're, we're defining them as school buildings that are eligible. So again, like if a, a Grimes Christian wanted to send a group of people, they could take five from the middle school and five from Evergreen. And that eligibility would be legitimate. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I don't want to confuse that point with anyone. I'll do this last um, So more information. Uh, there is a, uh, I think it's like four or five page uh, FAQ document. Apparently on there is where the dates are. Um, so it's somewhere around, it's always around the same time, June 8, 9, 10 is when we leave. Uh, it's all defined on the graduation date of Holland Christian because uh, we need two trips back to back. So the first one will be primarily a student trip. So the seniors graduate usually on a Tuesday, they leave on that Thursday. And then their last day of the trip is usually then around June 8th. So then y'all arrive in the evening. Uh, we send them off in the morning and you come in the afternoon. So we do it all over again. Um, and so that's around the time. I think on the FAQ sheet is the actual dates. Uh, and then also there's a form for you to fill out uh, that says, I want more information. Right? So as more information, the actual dates get really solidified and sign up so it can actually happen. Again, this is a year and a half out, so nobody's making reservations. Well, we're starting to make reservations in Israel for it because they've got a little bit of a backlog of people that want to come. Uh, the country does. And so we're starting to some of those things happen. But I don't know you all, and, so, and therefore I don't have your information. So on there, it's just simply name, what your member, member school, it's just simply where you work, right? So because this is open for CEA member schools, uh, so member school, and then what's your email and my contact information for you. And that's on uh, the kingdomstoryproject.com website. It's go to the top bar where it says CEA teachers. That's the link you click, and that's where you'll find those things. It says kingdom story. Yeah, that's wrong. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is, that's the wrong, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. Kingdomstoryproject.com. Thank you. I'm minorly dyslexic. Turns out so is my oldest son. So it's been nice to, uh, which is why you'll never see me read in front of people. But anyway, um, you know, those are things that I just look right over. Or actually my brain thinks that it's right there. Anyway, thank you for catching that. What other questions do you have? Was a, I just, I just total verbal vomit dumped on you guys. Um, yes. So you said like a total of tw like what was your total number? Ah, uh, we can get sixty people on a bus. It's tight, but we love each other, so it's fine. Um, uh, I should say that's that's normally what we've done. Currently, there's a limit of thirty-five uh, people that Israel is allowing. Now, again, we're a year and a half out. And things are changing daily over there. Again, I'm hoping by uh, April when my next tour is supposed to go that the booster won't be required, or at least my, my eligibility will be up where I can get it. Um, but again, currently, everyone that comes in the country must be boosted, not just vaccinated. Yes? Okay, so when there's no way for someone to travel by no, I don't. That's a good. That's a great question that I did not think about. Thank you for that. Um, without having that conversation again with the board, I, I don't want to say no. Um, I would guess that if we again, if we have a cohort of people, let's say we have forty-five people from schools going, um, and that's also exhausted anyone else from those schools that wanted to go, then yes, I, I would see no reason why. That would be a, a barrier to say, yep, let's go. Yep. And it's not like Correct. Yep, it's CEA. So if you're in Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, y'all are eligible. Yes. Oh, your second question, sorry. Uh, and then why is the registration? Yeah, so that's, again, a bit of a moving target currently um, because of, um, so even for my April trip, we've collected zero dollars for it um, because, again, we're not sure. We had, I was supposed to get back um, from Israel this past Tuesday. Uh, Ray and I had a trip planned. 
and we, it got canceled because of just you know, all of the factors. Um, and so currently registration is a real flexible thing. You'll want to fill out that Google form um, that's on the website that's not listed there, uh, on the real website, uh, and that will then get you the information of when things, the timeline of when things will start to happen when registration opens up. Thank you. Great question. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's, that's a great point. I was talking to uh, a fellow administrator down in Illinois uh, after this kind of came out in CA. He's like, tell me more about this because he's presenting right now as well. And so we talked through it. And again, I have, I've had a singular experience. I graduated from Holland Christian, right after college, I started teaching at Holland Christian, and now I'm a stay-at-home dad. Israel, again, like I said, Israel trips were just a normal opportunity. And with Ray Vanderline, for goodness sakes. I remember it was a few years ago that when his uh, Series 16 video series came out. So Focus on the Family ran a, comp a contest that you could submit a video to get a spot, two spots on a Ray Vanderline trip. You to, they weren't free. You just got an opportunity to go on a trip. They had over 10,000 submissions for that. Right? And I'm like, I feel bad that I've gone with him. Like, a dozen times. Um, so it's always odd for me to gauge, like, are people interested in this? Um, again, the coupon's helpful. Actually, no, no. I don't think that changes your desire. It changes the possibility. Right? Um, it's with even $1,000, right? I, I don't know your salary, but I can guess. Um, it's, it's not... $1,000 is still... That's a lot of money to come up with. Um, and these donors know that. Um, but 5500 is worse. Um, and so this makes it within reach, we hope, for you. Um, oh, and the it's on the, on the sheet too. We hope this isn't the last opportunity. Like it's not just, oh, 2023? Didn't make it, sorry. Good luck finding 55. Our hope is that, again, like we've been able to do with Holland Christian staff, is to prove the concept to these donors and say, this is, this is making a difference in the lives of students and therefore in the kingdom of heaven. And so our hope is that 2024, another trip. In 2025, another trip. In 20, it, that's our hope. Uh, I, was, I was with Ray on Monday, like I said, and he said, tell him I'm coming. So you're going to get a varsity trip. If he may, if he may. But, so he hopes to come. Um, right? He's, he turns 70, and he, like I said, you can still scamper him up, but... We'll see what in 2023 looks like. But hopefully we can do this together. Or you'll get me. And I'll probably wear something other than this. Yeah. You mentioned um, like limited space as well as the coming back reverse culture shack. Space with a spouse. Because to go and experience this on your own, then to come back and try to explain it to someone you share life with. Yeah. What's I, I mean, in the FAQ it says, if there's availability, what's yeah. that looking like? So that's, that was our hardest deliberation. Mm -hmm. um, we're Holland Christian uh, because, again, we had space. Um, so we highly encouraged them to take their spouse to the tune that we paid $1,000 of the spouse's trip. So it's basically a two-for-one. Um, not knowing what, again, the interest would be, uh, or not fundraising for spouses, um, nor are we at all aware of whether or not that would be a possibility. That would, in priority, be the next level down. So it's schools, member schools that have an administrator and four other employees, and then if that doesn't fill the trip, those schools that are in with anyone else from their schools that get to go, after that, member school faculty members, that cannot go with a cohort of five from their community, and then after that would be spouses. And then it would again be solely first come, first serve. Now it's real nice if your spouse also works in Christian Ed. It's also very, very affordable. <laughs> we had a few of those at HC too, and that was a, a gift for them too, because it is. And, 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 I, and honestly, that's hard. It is hard to experience it because it is a lot, personally. Um, and yet, God will give you the patience to endure that with them and walk through that with them. 
in your family. It has transformed my parenting and my wife and I's parenting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's a 14-day trip on the ground. Good point. Thank you. Hey, thank you, everyone. Uh, I, I, it warms my heart that you're even interested in this because it's the mission that you're already on. Have a great day.